Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So what are we doing this week? I think we were going to continue from where we left off last week. That's right. Last week, we were talking about boosting emotional signals, and you told us about this uh, very productive uh, conversation that you had uh, with a CEO of a startup you're working with and and the, the leadership uh, team there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that uh, there was kind of an interesting thing about how you got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us about what, what it was that led up to that conversation? Absolutely. So listeners who listened to last week's episode might remember that the uh, CEO had uh, appeared one day and said, uh, let's move people from team A to team B. And the conversation was about how the CEO got to that conclusion and the emotional signals that had led him to that conclusion. And then we found out about other things we could do. So um, the way I heard about that is that I was meeting with one of the senior technical leaders in the team. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, and we're exploring this option of moving people from team A to team B. And I said, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Um, how do we get there? Because I knew that this leader, um, he's a, a product leader, and, and he'd been working with this team. And uh, what he had observed was this team was um, having a number of uh, what I'd call uh, successful experiments with a negative result. In other words, they were trying to get a result, um, which was to improve an experience um, for, for, for clients. That the you know, clients would start to say, yes, this is delightful. This is great. We really like using this. And um, the uh, experience was that everything they tried wasn't working. So um, I knew he had this opinion, and I had observed this as well. And so I was trying to work out how on earth it could be that adding more people to a group that hadn't figured out what would work uh, would help. It wasn't that the team was doing a bad job. They were, they were trying interesting things that were worth experimenting with, just none of them had clicked yet. And um, we, we, I, I knew he had this doubt. And so I had these two pieces of information which were in conflict. Um, one, one was uh, we, we seem to be having trouble making progress here, and we're, we're going to um, add more people to, to do more stuff that, um, that isn't working. And, and this, this was a, a, a cognitive dissonance that I was uncomfortable with. So I did two things that um, we talk about a lot, which was uh, I was transparent. I said, this doesn't make any sense. Look at this bit over here and that bit over there. Can you help me out? And I was curious. I said, so why didn't you take any action on this? Why are, why are you um, acting in this way? Um, and I got to um, the, the eventual result that, that we talked about last week, where we were able to have a, a meeting with the, the source of the idea, which was the founder, uh, and find out the emotional signals that had led him to that. And we, we had more options as a result. Right, and so that you can see then you, this idea. Well, why, let's ask, and you were able to follow up on that. The, the The question then became, why was it that this leader, who was the the source of what you were acting on, he was the person who had shared with you the things that made you go, "Wait, this is odd." What had prevented him from from having the same conversation be, before you showed up? Like, why why wasn't he the one saying, you know, how do you how did you come to the decision, and how do you feel about it? Mm-hmm. So he he described it as a habit. He was in the habit of uh, you know per, um, acting. He had a superior person, the founder of the company, saying this is a good idea, and he said, "Okay, great, let's figure out how to do that thing." Um, and the habit, I think, comes from uh, a, a wish to avoid conflict, which is very natural for human beings, right? And you start thinking about conflict, and if we say it enough, we can probably make our listeners feel this way, you know, that kind of dread of this conflict is going to happen, and we're going to be arguing and shouting and pounding on the table, and, um, you know, your heart starts to increase its uh, its rate, and you're, you're in fight-or-flight mode, and you're like, oh, man, okay, a conflict is coming. 
we have very negative associations to that that word, the idea that we might be disagreeing about something, and very natural reaction to negative um, signals from your body is to avoid them. And uh, I, I don't know for certain that's exactly what was happening for him. We'd have to have him on the podcast to, to find out. But that was certainly the sense I was getting from him is that uh, his um, instinct was avoid the conflict. That's right. And uh, that's really interesting because it reminds me of a, a couple of things. One is sort of how, how this can happen. One way is sort of avoiding uh, conflict from someone who is the most powerful person in the company, you know, the, the, the founder, CEO, that doesn't sound like a like a, a conflict you want to have, mm. um, and I and I know we, we can also have it. We've seen this before when people have said that they uh, are or they feel like the people are too nice uh, and they 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 want to get along because you said the idea of of, of harmony um, in uh, um, with our colleagues is something people tend to seek, um, mm-hmm. and, and but that can be actually uh, very limiting. You know, I actually did a, a training for one company uh, on exactly this point. Exactly. And we called it mining for conflict because what we were actually doing was seeking conflict. And that was what I did when I talked with this person about um, why, why he hadn't asked, what, what, why weren't you finding out more? Because what I wanted to model for him as I'm coaching him is that um, conflict is useful. Conflict tells you very important things and you can get things like the emotional signals we talked about last time and the additional information about why on earth would we move people from from one team to another turned out there was really useful data about that but we wouldn't have found out about it if if um, in in this case i hadn't um, prompted the conflict and said why are we doing this before we do it let's find out more uh, I'm, I'm curious and confused that could easily have redounded on me and been a, a negative conversation it turned out it wasn't but uh, I had to get over that conflict avoidance first myself. And what I was trying to model for the uh, for the leader here was, um, you you could do this too. Uh, yeah, which it, it, the funny part about this is that there's this real gap between what people believe uh, when we uh, when we ask them and what they do in practice. And conflict avoidance is part of that. When we did this training, and we've done this many times now, we'll ask people some variation of, you know, if 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 us as a group, the people in this room right now, we wanted to make the best possible decision, how would you recommend we do it? And I'll ask a, a random person in the room and we get pretty consistent responses. Like everyone has the same espouse theory, uh, which is what? What would what would the espouse theory be that if you'd asked uh, this person you're working with, what, what do you think they would have said would be the theoretical best way to give, to come up with a, uh, with a decision? Same answer everybody gives, which is make sure that everybody who's participating in the decision uh, um, shares information they might have, and that we try to get a broad group of people participating in making the decision. And uh, once we've got all that information, uh, discuss it together, um, rank the different solutions according to the information that we have, and pick one and execute. <laughs> and if we if we ask people, does does having you know, multiple viewpoints is having a diverse team. Does, does that make for better decisions? They, they say, yes, that's why I wanted to try to get more people involved in the decision. Right. The, the problem is <laughs> that that isn't what happened in this case. Uh, exactly. And I think this is, we see this very commonly. Um, and I think many uh, people will probably have experienced this where the, the, the teams, people have different points of view, but they're unvoiced. They, they enter, as you described, sort of execution mode, sort of compliance mode. Oh, I guess the, I, I'm hearing this decision. It doesn't really make sense, but oh, well, the decision's been made. And they sort of then feel um, like it's not their responsibility uh, or they, they, it never occurs to them 
well, wait, wait a minute, I, I have extra information. And so they tend to say, well, you know, that, that decision has been made. And we end up then... They, they probably know that information. I, I don't need to share it. The, yeah. they, they wouldn't have, have ignored this um, obvious fact. So, uh, okay, I'll go along. Oh, that's that's really interesting because that's you know there's a cognitive bias with with exactly that characteristic. So, yes, that that comes up, and the the outcome then is something where we uh, end up with uh, less information uh, and without actually uh, getting the value we we wanted from having everyone involved. This is a, a paper you and I have talked about before: the uncanny valley of a functional organization, and it has a really nice um, uh, two by two matrix where it talks about what the kind of communication you need to have uh, a good collaboration. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, and it also then gives you sort of two failure modes uh, of that. So the, um, the good case is when you have true collaboration, it means that you have mutual trust and respect. People are willing to listen and regard what other people say. But at the same time, you also need the willingness and uh, freedom to disagree. Mm-hmm. And if you... Uh, are low on either of these skills, then you can't have a collaborative discussion. Yep. And what we're what we're seeing here is this willingness and freedom to disagree, and you end up then in, in groupthink, where uh, you know the, the first idea that comes along, uh, and often from the most powerful you know person, is the one everyone just says, "Yep, okay, that's what we're doing." Yep. The uh, the product folks tend to say things like, uh, uh, "It's the highest paid person's opinion," or, or "Hippo." <laughs> Uh, that that carries the day. And that's that's not the best uh, decision making principle. Which people will tell you if you ask them. Yes. They will say no. We don't want to do that. But then their actual behavior, just as in this case, uh, turns out to be very different. That, that's right. And and um, I know this is something that I've um, worked with different people on, uh, and it it can be uh, sometimes very difficult to um, change people's behavior. Uh, especially in the case like here where you have a, a, a CEO, I'm, I was told by one person, well, look, it's their company. If this is what they want to do, uh, I feel like, well, then that's their decision to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, my response to them was that, oh, absolutely, it is their decision, but they don't have all the information. You know, you you are an expert in your field. You've seen things that they haven't seen. Uh, my view is you owe it to them you know, if you're going to take their money <laughs> to be an expert, you you owe it to them to to share your opinion. And if you haven't done that, you really you really haven't done your job. That was kind of a, a real uh, light bulb moment for that person. I don't know if there's something that you've come across with with other people where they have a similar sort of uh, reticence to uh, to disagree. Oh, uh, all all the time, and that's why I wasn't surprised um, when I this person uh, told me he was in execution mode. My job uh, as a consultant is to help people uh, improve their performance, become more senior leaders, and uh, a characteristic of an effective senior leader, whether it's technical or marketing or, or some other area, is that you productively disagree and use, bring, bring in your expertise. So I'm often helping people with exactly that. And, and this, is, I think, is a point also to then um, be a, a, a word of warning to the CEOs out there, <laughs> or in general speaking, to the to the hippos in the room, uh, <laughs> the leaders of any time. Uh, it, it can be um, it's your, it's your job. We talk about mining for conflict. This is part of your job, is to mine for conflict. If, if you're coming in with an idea, a suggestion, um, you'll want to make sure that you get everyone's point of view, and you can't assume as many leaders do, that if people disagree, they'll just speak up. Mm-hmm. 
you have to actively encourage it because there's a there's a barrier to overcome the, your um, ownership of the company, as as your example illustrated. Uh, means your ownership of the the organization, the division, the group, the team means that others will tend to defer to you. And that's dangerous. You you want to be mining for the conflict that can help you get additional information. Uh, That's right. And people might be thinking, well, but I'm not the CEO. No, it actually refers to the people who are really leaders in at, at any level. So you might be a, a team lead or a, a manager, or you might just be the the um, expert on your database at your company, whatever, some some period of leadership where you're seen as the person. Exactly. Uh, understand that you uh, your words will carry extra weight. And if you really want to get the best uh, decision with people, uh, you're going to have to uh, proactively ask people for um, their views, what information they can add, and, and uh, 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 any disagreement they might ha- they might have. There you go. Okay. Well, if you're mining for conflict in your own company, or if you'd like to hear more from us or ask us a question about how you might go about mining for conflict, what mining for conflict might do for you, you can always find us on troubleshootingagile.com. You can get in touch with us in email or Twitter or lots of other ways. Carry your pigeon if you want to. And we like hearing from our listeners. We also like it when our listeners click the subscribe button in their favorite app that keeps track of the podcast, then they can hear us again next week, uh, next Wednesday, whenever we talk more about troubleshooting Agile. Okay. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Squirrel.